Bretto, the first 200 tickets to the 2018 Wellness Summit sold out in less than 24 hours. Can you believe it? Oh, MP, it's awesome that our Wellness Coach fans are as excited about the return of the Wellness Summit as we are. If you've been hiding under a kale smoothie, Zazen Alkaline Water presents the return of the Wellness Summit on August 25 and 26 in Melbourne. And for one week only, we have 100 seats at a crazy two-for-one special. That's right, MP. Not only do 100 lucky listeners get two tickets for the price of one, but they also receive the digital recordings of the 2018 Summit and all of our previous events. Gee whiz, that's a lot of value, Bretto. That's over $1,400 in value, MP, and all for just $297. That's two tickets for the price of one for two days of powerhouse wellness. That's less than $10 an hour to attend the wellness event of the year. Oh, enough of the number crunching, MP. These 100 tickets are only available this week until Saturday, May 19, or until sold out, whatever happens first. For tickets, the speaker lineup, and all info, go to thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, fat-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings Primal Alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making Primal Living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Today I'm joined by one of my food industry faves. She is a lady who is so freaking down to earth and so authentic and so real and she makes her success just seems so easy. She even accused me of telling her I was making it look easy because she really does. She's just a woman with a passion who just shows up with consistency and she has had incredible success. Uh, Today, as we did the um, episode, she has 21,000 fans and followers on Facebook she has an Instagram following of 71,500. She's written two cookbooks. She has a website and she's been, she's one of the first food bloggers in Australia and New Zealand. She is Emma Galloway of My Darling Lemon Time. And she is a name that I've known about oh, forever. Like seriously, must be about seven years I've heard about her. And just have admired her from afar. If you have seen her Instagram feed, it is just to die for. It's so beautiful. And it's almost like you'll hear in, in the interview today, it just happened that way. It's not like it's all styled in a certain way. She just said, you know, it's all, it's all autumn colors because, you know, I cook with seasonal food and they're, and it, we're in autumn as we record in this episode. So just incredible. So I wanted to get her on the show because I wanted to hear her story. So she's she's a vegetarian, which is um which is, you know, a little bit different to normally we've got the paleo people on this show. But really my real belief is that uh, everybody knows everybody can find the food that works best for them and there's no one thing that fits everyone. And I certainly don't want to 
get bring the message across that I think everyone should eat, you know, um, eat this food. I really do believe that everybody needs to find their version of what works best for them. And so Emma's going to tell us about her story of how growing up um, as a vegetarian with parents who are really into permaculture really sparked her passion for real food. And she's going to tell us a story of how that's then gone on to be someone with that kind of Insta fame and has been on Oprah. She's been on SBS. She has deadlines for magazines to hit. Like, so glamorous. So if you're a foodie or if you would love a foodie business, I know a lot of people I talk to, they want to write a recipe book or they want to start a food business, then this is the show for you because I asked her exactly what tips she's got for aspiring food bloggers or authors or foodie entrepreneurs. So some great, great tips um, and juicy action uh, for you to take in this episode. Of course, I asked her what she had for breakfast. And of course, I asked her what she thought of coffee, wine and chocolate. So we'll get to find out about that too. Now, before we jump into the episode with the gorgeous M, um, I just wanted to let you know that in a couple of weeks time, I'm coming to Kayama. So I'm going to be at the wellness base camp in Kayama which is on Saturday, June the 2nd. Uh, I'm going there to just hang out with all my favorite industry people, to be honest. So I'm going to be seeing Fouad Kassab from Quirky Cooking, Helen Paderin. Can't wait to meet her. She wrote the Gut Health Cook, the Gut Health, <laughs> the Gut Health Cookbook Mate with Pete Evans. Uh, so I'm sure you've got that on your, on your shelf already. So she'll be speaking at the event. Uh, I'm also looking forward to meeting Marcus Pierce and Brett Hill, who set up this fantastic wellness couch, which is the podcast station. I'm so proud and honored to be part of. Seriously, so cool. So I'm going to hang out there. There's going to be some New South Wales primalistas who are going to be exhibiting at the Kayama Wellness Base Camp. So if you haven't tried the Primal Alternative range, but you wanted to try it, Come down because we'll have tasters galore. There'll be freebies in the um, in the sh- in the show bags as well. You'll be able to buy products from us. You'll get to meet primalistas, find out from them firsthand what it's like to be a primal alternative producer. You'll get to hang out with me. We'll get to take loads of selfies together. And if you are in the New South Wales area and you want to be a primalista, come to my live demos. So you know I do loads of online demos. I'm doing them one a fortnight at the moment because I'm on a massive recruitment drive to upscale our network of local producers so that we can handle the orders from our online shop, which is going to be um, which is going to be going absolute gangbusters. We just launched the online shop or we will be just launching, she says into the future. Um, so yeah, we're really looking to, um, to, to up level and upscale the number of producers we've got across Australia. So if you've got a passion for clean living, if you love to bake and create in your kitchen and you would love to be in the food business and run your own business, then consider being a primalista. A primalista is a franchisee of my um, Primal Alternative Baking franchise. And basically what you get is a done-for-you business. So everything um, that you could possibly need to, to literally hit the ground running with orders uh, with scripts to go out and talk to your stockists, with brochures, with all the marketing material you could possibly think of, right from obviously the secret recipes to um, advice to get about how to create your motivation around how you want your business to look, as well as a wonderful website, 
a community for of primalistas who will have your back, celebrate success with you. Think sisterhood. It's a seriously supportive group that we've got there. You've got my full support. My vision is really to um, make it grain-free easy for everyone. I know how hard it is for people to make a transition from any diet. And that's what Emma talks about in this episode as well today. Like it's absolutely mind-boggling. Even for her, a chef, she found it really difficult. And I know people find it really difficult too. So I want to make it easy. I just want people to be able to say, right, well, I can't eat that bread anymore. I'll just buy that bread. Or they might just eat plants and animals all week. And then it gets to Friday night and they think, I want a pizza. Well, they can have a pizza, but not one that's made of flour and water. That's going to unravel all of their good work. But they can eat the pizza that's made of nuts and seeds, free-range eggs, coconut oil. Oh, my goodness. It's just so exciting. I feel like eating one now. I think that's what's happening to me. So I'm going to be at Kayama on the 2nd of June. I'm going to be doing a demo in Sydney in Kellyville at Primalistic Eater's house on Thursday, the 31st of May. That's an evening demo. So it's going to be 6.30 till 8. I'm going to tell you all about Primal Alternative and how the franchise works and how it could look for you. We'll brainstorm stockists in your area. You'll get to ask all the questions that you have and we'll have an evening supper of Primal Alternative deliciousness. Then I'm going to be in Canberra at Primalist Kyra's house <clears throat> on Sunday. I think I've talked too much today. <laughs> on Sunday, the 3rd of June. And that's going to be a Sunday Arvo gig. So I'll be there from 2 p.m. till 3.30. And we'll be doing the same thing there with the beautiful afternoon tea. Tickets are $15. And this basically covers the cost for the Prime Lister to produce your supper or your afternoon tea. Okay, so check it out. There's a link to buy your tickets for the demo um, in the show notes. And do be aware that the numbers are capped because this is being held in the Prime Minister's home, in their kitchen. So we're bringing together women uh, around real food. We're starting a conversation around real food. And we're looking at ways to empower women to have a business doing what they love and helping serve their community. It's really exciting, so exciting what we're doing and really haven't really seen any other businesses that do this. It's so cool. Just working with community and sisterhood and support and real food and passion. It's super, super exciting. So if you do want to get a seat, be quick, click the link, book your spot. Let's meet up. Let's have a hug and a selfie. It will be so cool. So just those dates again, Thursday the 31st, I will be in Sydney and in Canberra on Sunday, the 3rd of June, 2018, just in case you're listening to this way into the future. I'm so glad to have you here, podcast listener. Thank you so much. If you enjoy these podcasts, please leave me a a review on iTunes because that just helps more people to find this podcast and we can help inspire others to reclaim their health as well. Come and join the Primal Alternative community. To, to join in the conversation with daily inspiration around um, food, movement, mindset, and lifestyle. And if you're a potential primalista, come to the Potential Primalistas Facebook group. You'll be able to watch a demo in there and you'll be able to ask all of your questions. Thank you again. I love you so much. I really do. It's so true. And now over to my chat with Emma. Can I just say, as a side note, I can't believe that I am just living this life and getting to talk to amazing women like this. Seriously, very, very, very inspirational woman. Enjoy. 
Welcome to the show, Emma. It's such an honor to have my darling Lemon Time on the show today. Um, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get into all of the juicy questions that I've got for you today, tell me what you had for breakfast. Um, I've been on a little bit of a porridge kick lately now that it's cooling down. Um, and so I've been soaking a mixture of um, cracked brown rice, buckwheat, corn, and I think it's got sorghum in there too, and just a little bit of yoga overnight and then cooking it up the next day um, with a little bit more water, salt, uh, rice milk usually, um, and a little bit of coconut oil. It's really good. Man, <laughs> delicious. And do you put any, any sweetener on that when, you, when you're making that or just as is? Uh, not usually. Sometimes I'll put like a chopped up, like half a banana or something in, in the last minute or so of cooking. So it kind of cooks a little bit, but not, you know, it doesn't turn to mush. Um, mostly I just have it like that, but yeah, yeah. You could, you could add some like chopped up dates or raisins or something if, if you want a little bit sweeter. Sounds yep. delicious. Sounds really, really good. So can you tell us like, you know, as I looked at your figures today, you've got over 21,000 uh, Facebook followers, over 71,500 followers on Instagram, which is just incredible, like amazing. <laughs> can you share your can you share your story of how you where did you where did it all start from and, and what's your story? Um, I grew up in a small town in, uh, in New Zealand called Raglan, which is where we're now currently living again. Um, and food has always been a massive part of my life. I grew up vegetarian with parents who were really into the organic permaculture gardening kind of scene. And so they grew a lot of what we ate from scratch and mum was, you know, great in the kitchen. Um, so I've always loved food. I went on to train and work as a chef after leaving high school. Uh, I think I worked as a chef for about eight, eight or nine years and then had children. And it was then that I discovered um, that both myself and my daughter are gluten intolerant. So massive diet overhaul, uh, which isn't always that easy when you have a little you know, child to deal with as well. Uh, so yeah, just lots of experimenting in the kitchen using my chef background to try and make food that was edible because this is going back nearly, my daughter's nearly 12, so nearly 12 years ago, which um, back then the gluten-free scene was dismal. You know, it was really difficult to to buy ready-made gluten-free food that actually tasted nice. So rather than going down the route of, of relying on kind of cardboard-like products, um, I basically started cooking everything from scratch. So... Um, lots of experimenting led me to uh, starting my food blog, My Darling Lemon Time, which is nearly eight years old now. And everything else has just kind of, of stemmed from there. I've always wanted to write a cookbook, but never really knew how how to, you know, how, how I would get to that point. Um, so I just kind of kept chugging away at my blog, um, honing my skills, and eventually, yeah, a cookbook offer um, was 
on the table and now I've written two books. Wow. Um, yeah, and I'm still still blogging, not quite as much as I used to now that I've got other things on the go, but, yeah, still trying to maintain my blog um, considering that was kind of the start of everything for me career-wise now, yeah. So when just so just going back to when you actually started your blog, and mm. did you was it like I, I want to I've just got to get this information out there, or I need an outlet, or was it more of a, mm. like a strategic, you know, like I'd love to have a cookbook one day. This is a really good way for me to you know get get an audience and get a following, or was it like none of those things at all? A little bit of all of those things, actually. <laughs> um, I back back then, people. Well, back then there weren't many food bloggers, so I didn't really come into it with a strategic plan going, yes, I've seen this person has a cookbook deal, so I want to, you know, I want to follow in their footsteps. It wasn't quite so calculated, um, but I definitely knew that practicing writing recipes uh, and sharing them was a good way to eventually be confident enough to to do a cookbook. Um, And... Yeah, I definitely needed a creative outlet. I back uh, when I started, I was a stay-at-home mum and not not working at, at all outside of um, our home, and I just really missed cooking. And lots of the recipes that I was coming up with, friends um, really liked them, and a couple of my good friends suggested that that I start a food blog to share my recipes rather than having to email them out to everyone who asked for them. If I had them online you know people people could access them that way and to begin with I kind of I kind of started writing my blog and I kind of still actually feel like sometimes it's like that now I write it kind of more like a diary and I kind of forget that there's lots of people uh, (laughs) reading you know and sometimes I mean occasionally I'll write recipes knowing that that's the kind of thing that people are into at the moment but generally it's really more of a like a seasonal diary sharing recipes that I've been playing around with um, in my home kitchen with produce from our garden mostly yeah and what sort of feedback did you did you start to get when your blog started to reach people um it's been pretty overwhelming yeah right from the start um there was a lot of support. I mean, back you know eight years ago, it was it was probably a lot easier to be noticed in the blogging world because, the you know, I think in New Zealand there was maybe four or five food bloggers, whereas now there's you know thousands and thousands billion. of food bloggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, for me, I was lucky that that I was probably one of the first food bloggers in New Zealand and Australia. Um, back then so it was kind of easier to, to be noticed um, and to for people to yeah, recognize my work um, but yeah the feedback has always been really humbling and and um, I definitely don't take it for granted when people email to say um, how much my recipes have changed like their family's life which is yeah pretty special. It's, it's, a very, yeah. it's very special and absolutely and yeah. what an amazing contribution to be able to take your passion mm. for food and like you said just you know it's easy it comes easy to you it's totally your zone of genius mm. to just you know share your seasonal diary with uh, you know 
75,000 people <laughs> come by, you know. Like, yes, well, it's funny, actually. One of the things when I first started my blog was, I mean, you just said then that it comes easy to me. It didn't always. So the first year after we changed our diet, because we, we went from eating a pretty balanced whole food vegetarian diet to having to cut out uh, gluten, all dairy, and and all cane sugar. So it was it, it was pretty you know, full on for the first year. And I just, I remember thinking if I'm finding it hard to come up with recipes to feed my family, how does the average person cope um, when faced with this kind of situation? Because I mean, I'm a chef and I've grown up around food my whole life and and I did struggle in that first um, year or so to get my head around, mostly to get my head around gluten-free uh, flours and, and how, you know, how, how they all work because they all have such different, quirks and personality traits um so yeah i i definitely struggled in the start which actually is was one of the motivations to to start sharing yeah, yeah my work once, once my re- once my recipes started working <laughs> yeah, yeah and there is certainly some, <laughs> some trial and error and you're right you know like it's so uh you know it is so hard when you and and so daunting when you because you know i'm mm. a very similar um story to you as we most of us do who are on this path but um you know my, yeah. myself and my daughter are gluten intolerant and um you know you sort of find the find that out the hard way don't you and and I remember feeling yeah. the same as you you know it's like oh this is going to be easy I'll just go out to the supermarket and buy gluten-free bread and gluten mm-hmm. and then it turns out there's gluten in everything like gluten in my ice cream yeah gl- you know like there's even gluten yeah. in, in fish foods like why do fish need to have gluten you know it's just everywhere so yeah. it's yeah it's so it's so super daunting and you know um you've got the inclination you're a you're a chef so um mm-hmm. you know if you were finding it hard that's just such a relief for the listeners who think maybe they're not mm-hmm. doing good enough or they're not trying hard enough or you know they might do really well all during the week and then on the friday they're just like i can't come up with any more creative ideas i'm just going to order a pizza you know that's okay because yeah. it, it's a big it's a big transition isn't it Absolutely. And I am, I get lots of questions about gluten-free flours in particular. And while I'd never, I've, I've never bought, um, you know, pre-mixed gluten-free flour, for a lot of people I would probably even suggest doing that even just for the first month. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's, there's so many changes and it's also overwhelming and it feels like you can't eat anything. So, I would say do anything you can to make your life simpler and then slowly, slowly as you get your head around it, then you can start experimenting more and getting to know um, all the different ingredients that will be probably quite new to to a lot of people. Absolutely. So tell us about your food philosophy now. So you've already mentioned you're a vegetarian and now you're a gluten-free vegetarian. So tell us a little bit more about um, Mm. what you eat and why. Um, I... I basically, my philosophy is just to keep food really simple and real. I don't um, rely on a lot of packaged foods, so I try to make as much stuff from scratch as possible. Um, And like I said previously, using seasonal vegetables and and fruits that we try to grow a lot of ourselves. I mean, we definitely don't grow as much as I'd like to. but yeah, just just keeping it simple and realistic. I have two young children, so 
we don't have a massive big five course meal every night, you know. And God, actually, we ne- we never have five course meals. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> um, they're lucky if they get dinner and occasionally dessert. Um, but yeah, I just like to keep it really simple, using ingredients that everyone can get their hands on. Um, not too many of the super foody, expensive ingredients that that are kind of prevalent at the moment. Um, and just keeping it, yeah, really simple but full of flavour. Mm. Sounds easy. It sounds easy. So um, <laughs> have you got any tips for people who uh, have got the same passions as you, Emma, around food that are wanting to, you know, get maybe start a food blog? Would you say um, that the food blogging, um, you know, arena, I guess, or the, the food blogging gig is still alive and kicking or do you think it's uh, transitioned more to like an Instagram kind of world? What would you say around that? I think it's definitely changed a lot in the last eight years since I started. Um, But I do still believe that actual food blogs rather as opposed to sharing recipes on Instagram still have a real place. Um, there, you can share a lot more information in a blog post than you can in an Instagram post. So I'd probably be more inclined to, to go that way if you're wanting to actually share knowledge and, and teach people in more detail. Um, that said, it's definitely a crowded market. Mm-hmm. So um, it depends on what your, what your expectations are and what you're wanting out of it. If you're just wanting to share recipes um, and information because you feel you want to, then by all means go for it. But um, definitely if, you, if you're coming into it with really high expectations of what you'll get out of it, um, just come into it with a level, level head and know that it's a very crowded space these days. Yeah, so, so how can people stand out um, like you have? Um, I, th- I wish I knew the secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think the main thing is that I just kept, like, I've just kept going. You know, I, I used to share recipes every three to four days, I think, um, for the first probably two or three years, which – God, looking back at it now, I don't know how I used to do that many. Um, but, yeah, just keeping – staying really real because I, I know there's a lot of people that um, will only share recipes that they know are really popular right at the minute, and that gets a bit boring when everyone's doing that. So I think it's really important to just be really true to yourself, share, share the food that you love and share your story because people come to you – for you, not um, to see regurgitated work that that's been shared, you know, in 50 million other blogs. So, yeah, I think just stay really real to you and and keep going, like keep keep sharing um, regularly. And yeah, I, I think that's about it. That's, that's brilliant <laughs> advice. No, like seriously, yeah. advice. So be you, because you know. I think a lot of people yeah. uh, feel, um, you know, sort of like quite fearful about showing themselves on mm. social media and and sort of feel like, and I know I've felt this as well and still do, you feel like you've got to kind of fit a certain role um, or you can't be seen yeah. posting you doing something that might be slightly frowned upon by certain people, you know, and you're sort of trying to please all the people all the time and, and that's not 
you're not going to yeah. please anyone then are you you're just going to be a really beige blogger because you're not going to resonate totally. with your with your audience so when and, and the consistency mm. like you say like you, you're showing up every day every day you've been doing that for eight years mm. and you keep coming back and you keep doing it and like you mentioned um before we started recording that now you're working on your blog and you're just in air quotes ticking over you know like still yeah. keeping on going still <laughs> contributing do you do you ever have do you yeah. ever have really like bad times or bad days when you're like oh I'm just over it and have you got any advice for how oh. to keep that mojo going well, I'm right on that at the moment actually and have been for the last couple of years I feel <laughs> um I used to share a lot a lot more on my blog than I do these like lots more personal kind of stories on my blog um and I almost feel like after writing my second book that I've run out of stories <laughs> to share um so I definitely struggle on the actual writing front these days. Um, so instead I've just, I've just shifted the focus and I'm focusing more on just sharing beautiful photos and great recipes that I know work. Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely, I think if it becomes too much of a chore, you should probably have a break, which I know is probably funny me saying that because I'm not always good at listening to my own advice. <laughs> um, but I actually, yeah, I think it was last year I had a break for about six months after I, um, I was actually quite unwell last year um, for most of the year, actually. Uh, so I just decided right now in my life, sharing recipes on my blog is not a priority. So I actually pulled back and had a break for, I think it was about six months in the end. I didn't intend to have that long off, but um, it was, it was actually really good. It was, it was good to have time off and to, I guess just reevaluate everything and what's important in my life. Mm. And are you are yeah. you feeling better now? Are you fully recovered? Uh, it's still a work in progress. <laughs> that one, uh, mostly. I feel I feel lots better. Yeah, and I'm back to sharing. Yeah, recipes most weeks. Yeah. And your your yeah. Instagram, <laughs> you know, your yeah. When you look at the little, I don't know what the proper word for it is, but all the little pictures all together. I don't know if it's a tile or whatever they. Them <laughs> not the best Instagram. I think it's just called the feed. Instagram the feed. feed. Your, your Instagram <laughs> yeah, feed. Yeah. I guess it's beautiful. Like, have you had? Thank is you. that just something that's natural to you, or have you had um, photography lessons or lessons from branding experts? Just because you, all of your colors, it's just incredible. Mm -hmm. It all looks so beautiful. Oh, thank you. I did just notice looking back recently at the moment, it looks very autumn, like autumn, like all the colors are all, um, matching mm, all the same tones, but actually yeah. that's just, that's just, that's just because I, uh, most of my, or a lot of my photos are, are of seasonal produce and that's just the colors of the season at the moment. Perfect. Um, but photography, no, it's something I've always loved doing. I think I've saved up to buy my first, um, camera when I was maybe 12 I think like a decent camera and food photography is something I've taught myself I mean if you look back on my first blog posts my photos are pretty hilarious <laughs> um so just lots of practice just the same as you know recipe writing and 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 have like running a blog in general the more photos you take them the better you'll get um so yeah, no, just lots. I've I've read lots online, and just played around a lot, 
And I guess, yeah, my style and my photos have just evolved over the last eight years to what they are now. Fantastic. Mm. So, Emma, you're, you're a mum. Yeah. You've got two kids. So how do you combine your food blogging and your business and all the other things that you do with your family? Uh, I'm lucky in that both my kids are at school now. Um, my youngest is nearly 10 and my eldest is nearly 12. So I do all my like all my cooking and photos while they're at school and then – Often if I need, like if I'm in a tight deadline or whatever, I uh, will edit photos at night time and write up recipes uh, when they're in bed. So, it, yeah, there's, I, there's sometimes on the weekend if I've got a deadline for a magazine, I will be working over the weekends when my husband's home to look after them. But generally I, yeah, just try and fit it in uh, school hours now. It was a little bit trickier when the kids were little and not at school. Um Cooking, cooking around them. But in saying that too, um, I actually had a lot more time for cooking because I was at home, you know, yeah. a lot of the time when your kids are little, you're actually at home, whereas now I'm not confined to to our house quite as much. So, um, yeah, sometimes I find it hard to actually get in the kitchen and, and cook. Yeah, like I, know, I, should be. <laughs> I know. I know what you mean. I, I, I did so much cooking. I was like, I think it was probably – a way to kind of escape it was kind of like a way, yeah. a way to yeah, absolutely. Uh, get a bit of sanity and you know if the kids could get involved with a little, with a little bit of what you were doing yeah. then it sort of made it made it feel better but um yeah and then they go to school full-time it's, and my kids are eight and ten so it's sort of similar age mm. and, um yeah, yeah you can really I've really moved away like I was in the kitchen all day every day and now I don't know it's more like working on the business instead of you know, yeah. in the business, like how it's interesting how, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how things change, but I'm actually really ready for this more like cerebral activity, you know, as opposed to, I think when you're a mum, you're very much in the trenches, quite fatigued, well, completely exhausted, yeah. let's be honest. And, uh, <laughs> Absolutely shattered. <laughs> and and it's, it's just kind of yep. therapeutic, isn't it, to be able to um, yeah. spend time in the kitchen and, and come in it with some delicious food. So, so it's great. So you, when you were talking just then and you said, oh, getting um, if you've got magazine deadlines, I've just got this flurry yeah. of like, oh, how glamorous. And I, I know you've been on, <laughs> you've been on SBS. It's and not glamorous. It sounds like seriously, it might not well, it to you, but there's going to be people out there going, oh, my God, I'd love to write for a magazine. So you've had yeah. book deals, you've been on SBS, you've been on Oprah's website. <laughs> like hot diggity dang girl, how did you do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't actually know how that one came about. I think, well, back, I don't even know if they're still around, actually. Back when I first started blogging, the only way to kind of get your stuff seen was you used to submit your, like, one photo to, there's a couple of different sites based in the US, I think, Food Gawker and Taste Spotting, I think they were. I don't even know if they're still around. I haven't checked them out probably for about the last six years. But um, to begin with, I, I would often submit photos to there. And basically, it was just, they're just sites that hold links to everyone's blog posts. So if, if your photo was good enough and it, it got um, you know shown on their site, then you'd get a lot of people clicking through for the recipe. And I think that's maybe, maybe how the Oprah people found one of my recipes. I'm not sure. So these people found you. So you didn't actually, mm. you know, hustle to get a 
to get an Oprah gig. Like, so you, you so basically, what no. you're saying is you're just one of those amazing people who just you know speak your, <laughs> you speak your truth. You show up every day. You're consistent, and things just come to you because you're you're living on purpose. Right? You make it sound really easy. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's quite. I don't know if it's quite that easy, but. Um, I think if you're just yeah, if you're getting your work out there and it, and it's and it's good, then people will notice it. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's how it came about with the Oprah um, feature. With it was, I think there was maybe ten other gluten free food bloggers, and we each like they they asked each of us if if they could share one of our recipes um, that they had chosen from our site. So. Yeah, I think, yeah, you just have to <laughs> keep getting your stuff out there and, and crossing your fingers, if, you know, if that's, what you, if that's what you want. But also I think a lot of what I, you know, did to begin with was I used to just share recipes without any expectations. I just shared them because I wanted to share them. And it's kind of the same with my first book. I just wanted to really, really like I really, really wanted to write a book and I, I didn't care if I didn't make any money out of it. Um, which is a good thing because you don't make much money out of cookbooks. Um, but I think, yeah, just coming from a real honest place and, and wanting to do it because you want to do it um, for yourself mostly, I suppose, um, and to help others. But, yeah, not not for fame or um, exposure or any of those things that I, that I see a lot of people kind of chasing these days in the, in the food blog world. Mm to get mm. insta famous I don't, I don't know if that makes i don't know if that makes sense but it makes per- yeah it makes perfect sense and it's really reassuring because you know um you know it's just that like i know it, it did sound like i made it sound really easy and obviously it, it's not <laughs> totally it's, it's easy in the fact that it, it's what you want to do it's your passion and you're just you know putting one foot in step in front of the other and you you had dreams yeah. to write a book so you went out and did it you weren't attached to the outcome you just wanted to do yeah. be on the journey you know and, and um helping people and you know being insta famous and um on oprah's website and sbs and all the other amazing accolades that you've got is is just you know um part of you being authentic and and living your truth which is very very inspirational it's really cool so tell us a little bit em about your lifestyle do you have any um, specific things that you do outside of food that are really uh, outside of food and gardening and obviously blogging and being with your family. Do you have anything else that's really fundamental to your health? Yeah, so um, food pretty much takes up most of my life. I'm a little bit obsessed, food and family. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a couple of things that I know I need to kind of keep sane in my life. Um, one is quite a lot of time by myself. Um, I, I like quiet. Um, so lots of, I do quite a lot of walking on the beach by myself, um, which is kind of my happy place to clear my head. Um, definitely would like to get into some more creative, um, things other than food. I used to like make stuff, make jewelry and all sorts of things, which I feel is something that I would really like to get back into, but haven't quite found the time. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. That sounds very similar to me. <laughs> <laughs> we could be best friends. We could we could go walk on separate beaches. 
not together. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's definitely something I crave. Most mm. most days I try to get even a little tiny beach walk in. Mm. Yeah. Very therapeutic, very good to get out in nature. Um, so a couple totally. of a couple of quick fire questions just to um just to wrap up today. So my darling lemon time, where did the name come from? <laughs> um my oh, when we've always had a veggie garden and we had like years ago when my daughter was little we had lemon time in the garden and I used to call her my darling lemon I mean my darling Clementine <laughs> there you go I mix it up <laughs> oops my darling Clementine after you know after the little sorry just waving to my husband um <laughs> um after that you know the the nursery song and one day my daughter got it mixed up and called me my darling lemon time and it was really cute and like I wrote it down thinking oh my god that's so cute I'll have to remember that and then it was a couple of months later I was thinking about starting a food blog and had no idea what to call it and I remember emailing a bunch of my friends saying do you think this name's too long I just kind of can't get it out of my head and it seems kind of perfect um and and most of them came back saying they loved it but yeah I think it's a bit long but I went with it anyway so my darling lemon time it was and nobody nobody like abbreviates it to mdlt or um or anything do they like it's my darling lemon time it just it, because yeah. of my darling clementine it just kind of like rolls off your tongue like and it's really, yeah it's a really great brand name i think um yeah, yeah and i love the fact that you the know, only place i have to um sorry the only place i have to shorten it is um for my twitter handle because you're oh, yeah. not allowed that many letters <laughs> <laughs> so what do you shorten it yeah. to on Twitter, um, I think it's my darling LT, okay. <laughs> which sounds stupid, but yeah, it was, it was all I could kind of fit at the time, and you had yeah, to roll with that. I, I love that your daughter came up with, the, you know, when they say those cute things that you're like, I'll write that down, never mm. forget it because it's so cute. Um, and then, and then I yeah. love that, the fact that you you just couldn't get that out of your head. That's like to me, that's like complete mm. your intuition or your guidance or whatever, saying like this is this is the name of your blog and and it's great that you've totally. got super supportive friends that are all like yeah we love it whereas you know so many of us um don't have that support so you know you say things to your friends mm. and they're like oh who do you think you are to be a food blogger you could <laughs> never do that it's you know when I started yeah. my blog which I was a bit late in the game four years ago um, you know, everyone was like, oh, blogging so 10 years ago, you don't need to do that. But I just, oh. I know, but I was like, look, you know what? Don't listen to them anyway. <laughs> I know. I was like, look, I need to do this just because I need an outlet. Yeah. I need to be able to, you know, um, blast the world with my message, with my message, okay. even if like it was only my mum reading my blog back then, you know, but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's really important, isn't it? To have that uh, belief in yourself to just like, yeah. I'm going to do this anyway, you know? Totally. Well, it's funny. While I did have supportive friends um, when I wanted to start my blog, although most of them I actually had to explain what a blog was because no one knew back then. Um, it was a whole different story when I when I told everyone I wanted to be a chef. Like no one in my family, including my auntie who used to be a chef, like they all told me you should not be a chef because it's <laughs> such a horrible life. Um, but I didn't listen because I just really wanted to do it. So, yeah. Totally have to have that belief belief in yourself and in that ridiculous undying love for what you do because <laughs> yeah. sometimes it is a really silly idea. I mean, God, 
working working as a chef is 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 rough. It, it's definitely not a life you know a lifestyle that I would still want to be doing. Um, but I really appreciated doing it and have no regrets. I, it's what I wanted to do, so I did yeah, it. You did it, and I really mm. I really admire that because um, you know you don't want to die wondering, do you? You know, like even if you just yeah. do it for a certain period of time, it's the experience that you have, contribution that you give and the way that you grow during that time that then can lead to, you know, like you say, like this has led you to your blog and your amazingly successful mm-hmm. business. So I think it's great. It's really, really cool. Really, really, really cool. Yeah. So my final three quick fire questions are coffee, question mark, wine, question mark, chocolate, question mark. What are your thoughts on those three great areas? Um, that's funny. I don't know if they're going to be quick fire. <laughs> I tend to talk too much. Um, coffee, coffee. I've never drunk. Um, I worked at a cafe from a very young age. Worked in cafes from a very young age, where I saw how desperate people were for their daily fix, mm. and so I swore off it at about age sixteen, and have never ever drank coffee. Sounds a bit ridiculous, I know. Um, I like the smell of coffee. I just mm. don't want to go near it um wine i actually have never enjoyed wine either i'm totally lame <laughs> um <laughs> part of me's always thought i really should try and learn to love wine because you know all foodies love wine um but no it's not something i've ever enjoyed and um since having kids i've actually not really drank alcohol at all i don't remember the last time i even no, I don't remember the last time I <laughs> even got close to being tiddly. <laughs> no, um, chocolate, on the other hand, <laughs> just so everyone knows that I'm actually human, <laughs> um, is something I love with all my heart. Um, and the way I see it is if, like, if the rest of your diet is pretty well balanced and you're not um, stressing out too much, like obsessing over with what you eat. Jeez, chocolate is fine. Like, <laughs> this is what I tell myself anyway. <laughs> it's totally like fine it. to eat a line of chocolate a day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I feel like, um, yeah, I actually had a conversation with a friend just kind of about this today. I feel like, I mean, I grew up in a pretty healthy family, but we weren't obsessive. Mm. And I feel like the current health um, environment, I guess for want of a better word, is quite rigid and really, like people are really hard on themselves Mm. these days. You know, you can't eat this, you can't eat that, you can't eat this. And if you eat that, then this is going to happen. And I mean, yes, I'm vegetarian and I'm gluten-free and don't eat much dairy, but I'm not, I mean, I, don't, I feel like the stress of, say, for example, I try to eat organic as much as possible when I can. But I think stressing out about not having an organic broccoli is, and, and so not eating the broccoli is probably worse for you than just eating a non-organic broccoli. Like the stress mm. that people hold around food is so unhealthy. So, I mean, if you like coffee, drink it. My husband actually is, that's what he does for a job. He, he roasts coffee, um, for a company, um, in Raglan here. So, um, yeah, if you want a coffee, drink it. I mean, not in excess. And if you want a wine every now and then have it and don't feel bad. And if you want chocolate, eat it. 
Absolutely. Delicious. I, I, I so agree with you, absolutely. And I think that, you know, being obsessive, I don't think you can mm. be obsessive and be healthy because being obsessive isn't healthy, is it? And I think that um, people are all trying to kind of fit into um, – you know, this this really hard, rigid guidelines around what they can and they can't eat, whereas really we're all so unique and we've all got, you know, our own version of what works for us and some people do really well with the odd glass of red wine and some people don't, totally. you know, and some people like coffee and other people don't and it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, black and white. It's got to just be um, yeah. what, you know, what works for you and also with regards to the broccoli, I t- I'm totally down with that. I know... Um, one of my friends who tried to just do the organic thing and she ended up just eating, um, surviving on like uh, organic uh, granola or muesli because it's so hard to find any, you you know, it's so hard to go out and and find everything organic. I mean, it's just, it's impossible, isn't it? So it's more of a case of doing the best that you have with what you're doing the best you can Absolutely. with what you have at that moment in time and, and not being obsessive because where's the fun in that? And not beating yourself not beating yourself mm. up if you can't be perfect, you know, in the eyes of whoever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I, – it actually makes me quite sad, like, when – and oh, I don't know how to, to explain it, but I guess because there is a lot of obsession around healthy food these days, I get lumped into that kind of bracket um, of, you know, foodies a lot. And so people think, you know, assume that I never eat like hot chips or I, um, yeah, I don't eat chocolate or, I mean, yes, I don't drink alcohol and coffee, but that's not for any choice other than it just doesn't feel good for me. Um, And it kind of makes me sad that people, yeah, think, think of me as being that rigid and strict because then they themselves feel really bad and guilty if they eat whatever it is that they think I don't eat. Um, Yeah, a a lady walked past me the other day when I was um, down at the wharf here in Raglan and she had just ordered fish and chips and did you like that accent? I did. (laughs) Should I try and say it in the Australian way? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I just did that to myself, but anyway, you know, those hot, hot, hot potato things and, and the crumbed, F-I-S-H thing. Did, did, she order, um, she walked, did she order tin bags of fish and chops? <laughs> maybe tin bucks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, she walked, she walked past carrying her fish and chips and she, she looked at me and she, she, you know, knows who I am and what I do for a job and she went, oh, you won't be going to buy fish and chips, will you? Mm. And, I mean, I wasn't on that particular day, but it doesn't mean to say that that I don't, you know, occasionally we have hot chips. It's, you know, not it's not going to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, you know, if you're healthy most of the time – yeah, don't beat yourself up if you have not so healthy stuff occasionally. Absolutely, because that told you it wasn't going to be short answers. No, I love it, but I think that we've we've sort of like caught on a really common passionate thread, haven't we? And it's like, um, you know, like I think that obsessing about that kind of thing and then going, oh shit, you know, I've had fish and tops, and um, I can say I'm allowed to take the piss out of kiwis because my husband's a kiwi, right? So I love New Zealand people so much. We just come back from New Zealand, so it's we have. And of- I'm allowed to take the piss out of Aussies because yeah. my husband's Australian. Oh, there you go. Then. And what about poms? You can you can do whatever you like on my accent. Holy crap! I think I've got yeah, the worst. Yeah, totally. I've got the worst accent. Your, your accent. Your yeah. No, your accent could pass as anything though. It's quite 
next. <laughs> is it? I think I've just tried to fit in over the years. <laughs> just trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to, trying to um, yeah, fit in. But anyway, back to uh, people. When, when they, so if they like fall off the wagon, let's say, if, in their mind, yeah. and they go and eat the fish, the fish and chips, then they can, that can sometimes like spiral into this like nosedive of like, oh, well, I'm a failure. I might as well polish off that bottle of wine and eat a litre of ice cream. And then the next day just yeah. feel like crap and totally guilt bash myself. Right. So there's, there's nothing yeah. good in that. Like people listen, you <laughs> come on. It's okay <laughs> to have hot chips and, and still be healthy. Totally. Right? Totally. Totally. Love totally. It. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so what does the future hold for Emma and my darling lemon time? Oh, who knows? I think I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and see. I think I would definitely like to write a few more books, but um, as in, as to when that will happen, I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm happy just – I think I said that when we were talking before we started recording, I'm just happy ticking along, just mm-hmm. just keep keeping doing what I'm doing. Um, yeah, and we'll see. We'll see where it leads next. Yeah. Well, I know that myself and lots of our listeners will be following you and, and finding out. I can't wait to see where, where the future does lead you and, and what you know new books are coming or whatever else the future holds. Who knows? But if people wanted to connect yeah. with you now, where can they find you? Um, through my blog, My Darling Lemon Time, and people can email me through there if they've got any questions. Um, pretty active on Instagram, which is just at My Darling Lemon Time. Uh, Facebook as well, My Darling Lemon Time. I am on Twitter, but I don't really hang out there much, so it's probably not the best place to <laughs> best place to follow me. Definitely most active on Instagram and then Facebook. Um, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you for being on the show today. It's been really cool to hang out with you. So grateful. Thank you, Emma. Thank you so much. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. The only lesson is ever going to be your learning. That's it. As long as you're learning, that's your lesson. When you stand in front of the mirror, the talk, the things that go on between these ears in the morning can also be what sets you up for a day. And if you've beaten yourself up for not being the most extraordinary person that you can be, then start now. We make it hard for ourselves. We make things difficult for ourselves because we go and apply a whole bunch of stories and a whole bunch of drama and a whole bunch of I'm not good enough to the things that occur in our lives. Wake the heck up. Today is a new day. And here's where it can change. Kim Morrison and Karen Smith feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.